You know, I've watched that bumper the last two weeks, and it's uh, safe to say that those I am statements, I've probably felt every one of those emotions plus more. And it's my hope today, as they put that back up there, that the Lord fills that in for you today, that you can take one of those I am statements and replace it with how the Lord sees you today. That has what, is what I've been praying for you for the last few weeks as I knew what I was going to speak on today about restoration, about being made whole again. And I pray that in the next 30 minutes, there's a transformation that happens in your life, in your spirit, in your mind, in your heart, that you can fill that in with how God sees you this morning. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this opportunity this morning to bring your word, God. Let the words that be spoken this morning be from you, Lord, from from your Holy Spirit. Every word that flows out of my mouth, Lord, may it be of you and from you, God. I pray for every heart in this place and online, Lord God. I pray for your work to be done this morning that nothing is impossible through Christ Jesus. So God, I'm praying for the impossible this morning. I am praying for life change this morning. I am praying for an encounter with Jesus Christ for that one that, that, that is listening this morning. God, we ask you to have your way this morning. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, amen, amen and amen. Hey, good news, good news. Last year, no palms. This year on the way out, you get your palm. And it's so, yeah, go ahead, clap. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. And what's really cool, I had a gentleman come up to me, and he knows from past years I've spoken about it. He handed me this little baby. And every year I say the same thing. I'm going to learn how to do that. I still don't know how to do it. And I think as long as somebody hands me one, I don't need to know how to do it. So... So I'm going to put Daryl on the spot. Daryl in the bookstore. Give the bookstore a little shout out. He's in a full panic now. So if you want your your palm in a cross, go see Daryl. Don't be hiding, Daryl. Daryl will happily make crosses till his fingers are bleeding. So go see Daryl. Hey, so we're in the third week of, of the I Am series, the first two weeks. I hope you have seen and listened to those messages from Pastor Scott and Pastor Dan Uh, Last week, uh, Pastor Scott talked about I am valued, and the week before, uh, I am an image bearer from Pastor Dan, and what's what's really cool is if you didn't get to see those, you can go home and you can watch those today uh, online. I would encourage you to do that. Um, So I want to start this morning by asking a question, as I usually do, I just want to get the wheels turning this morning, get you thinking about something leading into my message, and so here's the question of the morning for you. Um, Have you ever known the outcome of a situation before you get into it? Now, let me just emphasize, the last time I asked you the question, I gave you the illustration of of Eric trying to show off to his wife and jumping off a cliff and and flapping like a bird and it didn't work. That's just stupidity, okay? That's, That's something different. That's something I'm used to. This is something you have to do, non negotiable. You have to do this in order to have a resolution or healing or peace of mind. You have to do this, but you know there's going to 
be a painful outcome. So have you ever been in a situation like that? And just let me say quickly, my ADD's kicking in. I've got to learn to use the word behoove in a sermon sometime. I hear Scott, you use it. That's awesome. But the problem, Pastor Dan and Pastor Scott, I love these guys. Total sidetrack. I, they say words sometimes that I have to, I have to Google quickly because I don't know what it means. And I feel so dumb. But, but the real, I really want to thank you because it makes me smarter. So I, I'm, I don't know if I have any words in my sermon that you're going to have to Google this morning. So I apologize. I'm trying to get to their level. I'll get there someday. But yeah, you're right. I did use behoove. Behoove. I was like, what? Is that a word? Is that, I, I, behoove. It is a word. It's a word. It's a funny word, though. All right. All right. So, so here's my example. A situation, you, you have to do this, but you know the outcome is going to be rough. And the illustration for me was in 2005, some of you know this, some of you don't, I don't talk about this a lot, but in 2005, uh, Marlene and I had been married two years at that point, just checking in my head, it's two years, 2003, um, we, we have two uh, children uh, seven and nine, I think they were at that time, and we had just had our first child, Nathaniel. Um, he was six months old, and I started having some serious uh, medical conditions, some, some pain in my abdominal that, that just wouldn't go away, and, and I don't want to, you don't need details and all of that, but it became a real problem to the point that um, I ended up in the hospital, at the Reading Hospital, for a week when they couldn't find what it was, and they had basically shut my, my system down, and I was living on IV bags and vitamins and electrolytes and all, and, and they couldn't figure out what it was until one day they did this crazy CAT scan where they, they, they you, first of all, you got to drink that stuff. I don't know what that is. It's from the devil. It's terrible. It's awful. It's like chalk melted. It's just ugh, whatever. But so, so normally I can, I've done that, but then they had to strap me to a table and the table lifted up and moved me around while I drank this, this poison. And I'm just like, what is happening? And, but it found what the problem was. And I'll never forget them, them wheeling me down the hallway and the surgeon looking at me, asking me, one of the first questions he asked is, do you have a living will? And you know at that point, things are serious. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, so what we have to do is, is we have to go inside and we have to make this incision from your belly button to your chest and we have to go in and, and figure out what's going on. We think we know. And, and my, there was scar tissue that was squeezing my intestines and it was pretty close to doing some really bad things. And so I had never had a surgery like this in my life and I'm like, whatever, you know. And I woke up from that surgery. I wanted to meet Jesus. <laughs> there was so much pain involved I just wanted to meet Jesus. It was unbelievable, but it helped the situation. Well, for the next three to four or five years, I continued to deal with the same problem. Four or five years of consistent pain. I remember canceling a missions trip. I couldn't go on. It was, ruin it was really ruining my life. And in that time, we had another child. Ava came along, surprise. And uh, it, just, it, it was so difficult. It was like the thorn in my side. And I remember a gentleman, I was in the hospital, he came to me and he said, Eric, I'm going to give you some advice. This gentleman has MS, so he lives with MS, very difficult um, um, disease to live with. And he said, because uh, I told him, I said, nobody seems to be able to help me. I've been to Hershey and Penn and all these different places and there's no answers. He said, never forget this, you are your biggest advocate for you. 
He said, don't you quit. Don't you give up. Somebody's got to know something. Somebody can help you. And so I went back to my surgeon and I, I said, Dr. Howard, I said, listen, oh, he told me to ask my surgeon this question, <laughs> which was kind of scary. He said, I want you to ask your surgeon one question. What would you do if I were your son? And I'm like, ooh, man, this dude, does, he's like not even married, doesn't have kids. Like, I don't know, man. He's like, Eric, you're your biggest advocate. Do what you, you feel you need to do. So I went to see Dr. Howard, and I said, Dr. Howard, I said, I have to ask you a question. You've been great so far. I know you're frustrated. I'm frustrated. If I were your son, what would be the, the, the point of treatment? I didn't like his answer. <laughs> but he took days and days. I remember him looking at me and saying, can you give me a couple days? I want to study all your charts and pictures and blah, blah, blah. Said, Man, take as long as you want. He called me back in the office. He said, this is what I would do, Eric. He said, you have uh, what's inside of you, what I believe is called a, a rat's nest, and basically your intestines are all twisted and mangled. He said, but you have healthy intestines kind of on either side. He said, so I would cut that out. Yeah, that's right. Just let that sink in a little bit. That's called a bowel resection. That's like a big time surgery. And I was quickly like, you know what? I trust you. But I knew the question I asked you, I knew what the outcome was going to be. I knew it was going to be weeks in the hospital and a slow recovery and pain like I had never felt. I have a beautiful family at home. I can't hold my babies. Like, I understand this is going to be incredibly difficult to go through again. I know what it's going to feel like, and it's going to be even worse. But I know and I trust you that it, this is going to be it, that, that this is going to work, and I can live a normal life. So I trust you. He wanted me healed and better, and so did I. And so I went through with it. And to this day, I've never had an issue with that again. Praise God. So with all that being said, I have a feeling that's what Jesus felt as he is coming into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. You see, he knows the narrative. He knows the end of the story. Everybody else doesn't. Jesus knows what he's going to have to go through, what, what he's walking into. He knows what that, that week is going to bring him. He knows how it's going to end, but he knows he has to do it to bring restoration to you and I. And so today what I want to do is I, I want to walk through the, the Palm Sunday story together. I want us to travel together. I want us to take a journey and just kind of tap the brakes and walk through the elements. But then after we get through the typical Palm Sunday, I want us to journey a little bit further before the cross, because Carrie's going to cover the cross on Friday. But I want to go a little bit further than, than Jesus on a donkey. I want to go a little bit further than, than Hosanna. I want to go a little bit further to where Jesus starts to restore something. So let's walk through Palm Sunday together. I'm going to read the, the narrative out of Luke 19. I'm going to read the whole story, and then I'm going to pick out some spiritual truths to, through the story. It starts in uh, chapter 19, verses 28. We're going to go to 44. After Jesus had said this, and what he had just, what that means by that, if you read before that, he just spoke a parable. And before that in chapter 19, he pulls Zacchaeus out of a tree and he gets saved. So Jesus is busy, even on his way to, to Passover, to Jerusalem, Jesus is still doing what Jesus does, what he's called to do. 
And so now he's, he's almost at Jerusalem, and, and this is how the verse goes. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. Period. I could preach a sermon on that. How interesting. How interesting. It's actually a fulfillment of prophecy in Zechariah 9.9. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. First rock concert. Bad joke. As he approached your... You know, I even said in my head, don't say that, but I said it anyway. <laughs> Terrible. As he, <laughs> we'll talk about that. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Oh, we're going to talk about that. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, encircle you, and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground. You and the children within the walls, they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Well, isn't that a pick-me-upper? There's a lot of range of emotion happening in these verses, isn't there? So let's go over some bullet points of what we just read. First one, so Jesus is humbly coming to Jerusalem during Passover to restore all things on a cult, on a cult. Now that's like you showing up at Sturgis, one of the biggest biker rallies in the world, on a Schwinn 10 speed. You just don't do it. Okay? You don't do it. It's embarrassing, it's dumb, and it's foolish. And here we have Jesus, Jesus, coming in on a cult. A cult. Doesn't make sense. And then we have the people waving palm branches, laying their cloaks on the ground, shouting, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven in the highest. So he comes into fanfare. People all around him waving palm branches, putting their cloaks down in front of him, giving, giving him high honor and respect. Jesus on a colt coming into this. You have to picture this. All around him, the sounds, the praise, must feel good, right? Feel good to you and I, probably. And then you have the Pharisees, the Pharisees. 
The Pharisees, who are always there at Jesus' side, just nitpicking and badgering him and trying to trip him up. And, and sure enough, there they are again, pretty much telling Jesus, tell him to stop it. And Jesus, I tell you, even, he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. And you know what? I believe that. I, I don't know how. I don't know how, but I believe that. I believe that. And I kind of wish sometimes they would have stopped so we could have a story like that. But they didn't. So Jesus rebukes them. And then, coming down the road, the temple, his house, his place, comes into view. And Jesus wept. Not a picture of Jesus we often see or imagine in our head. And so I went to Blue Letter Bible and I'm like, what, what does this mean in the original Greek? This, this word wept, weeping. You know, when, when I thought weeping is kind of sniffly, maybe a tear here, there, you're trying to hide it a little bit. Uh-uh. The original meaning in the Greek text is, is like a pain. Like, like crying over, like mourning over something that has died, someone that has died. This isn't just a sniffle and a little tear. This is, this, is, this is painful. Now, what you have to keep in mind, this isn't a private moment. Jesus didn't get off the cult and kind of go over here and be like, guys, give me, just give me a moment here and, and hide it. He wept openly. What do you think the, the people are waving at Hosanna? They're looking at Jesus who they're giving honor to. Why is he? They've got to be asking, why is he crying? Like, we're, we're giving you honor and praise, and you're crying? You're wailing? You're weeping? Because they don't see what he sees. Jesus knows what's going to happen. Jesus knows what he has to do. They have it wrong. They think he's coming as an earthly king to set them free from the heavy oppression of the Romans. So that's why they're waving palm branches and shouting hosanna. They think he's an earthly king. And so Jesus goes on to, to explain why he's weeping. He goes on to say, um, he says, uh, sorry, if you had even known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you. If you want to do something really cool and you want to understand the context of this, Google the great siege of 70 AD. Because in 40 years after that moment, the Romans are going to come in and decimate Jerusalem. They are going to slaughter the people. And they are going to demolish the temple for the second time. Jesus knows that. They have no idea. That's why he's weeping. And the second reason he's weeping, because they don't recognize him for who he really is. He has just spent three to three and a half years healing, raising people from the dead in ministry, and they don't get it. And Jesus is agonizing over this. It's interesting what happens next. It's been a very emotional time, a very emotional day so far for Jesus. So all of that happens, and then in the next two verses, let's keep going. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he's finally at the temple. He's finally home. 
Home should feel good. Home should feel comfortable. Home is a place where, where you're accepted, that you created. And look what he finds. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were se selling. It is written, he said to them, that my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus comes home to find his house a wreck. You see, Every foreigners, everybody would come in for the day of, for the Passover festival, the Passover feast to celebrate it. And if you were an outsider, you would have to buy doves to go in and worship God and give an offering. And these people were charging exuberant, that's a pretty good word, Kramer, exuberant prices for doves. They were ripping the people off in church. That's like you going out here and us selling you a cup of coffee for $489. You're like, what? ripping you off, being unfair. And then they had to exchange money. There were different types of money and they were ripping them off with the exchange rate. Jesus is having an emotional day. So he's weeping and now he's in there. Man, I wanted to put a table on stage and flip it off and then I did that one time at the campus and almost killed somebody, not kidding. So I'm not gonna do that. But Jesus is in there and he's flipping the tables. Jesus is, is angry, a righteous anger. You have taken my father's house and made it a den of thieves. Jesus is having quite a day here. So the question I want to ask you, what does your house look like? No, wait, not your home. Not where you're going to go after this. Your home is your curtains and your pictures and your carpets and your, your magnolia junk and all that kind of crazy stuff. That's your home. Sorry, honey. That's your home. Not talking about that. I don't care what that looks like. But what does your house look like? Your, your temple. Here, here, let me, let me read it better out of 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. And that price is going to happen in a few days. It's going to be paid for you. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. What does your house look like? What does your temple look like? I don't know. I can't see inside of you. I can't see your thoughts. I don't know your heart. But Jesus does. And Jesus wants to restore some things. What would you do if Jesus came into your house right now and started flipping tables? Would you allow it or would you kick him out? Jesus didn't do it just because he was angry and it was wrong. He brought it to bring restoration to his father's house. And today he wants to restore you in some areas in your house you have allowed some things in your house this, mor this morning that don't belong there. And sometimes there's a wrecking before the restoring. Don't resist what God wants to do. Don't resist what Jesus wants to do. There has to be a wrecking in order to restore. So my question is, what needs to be restored in you this morning? What is God? Will you allow him to restore something in you this morning? got a chair here on stage my chair this is my house 
And uh, this chair is 30 years old. Doesn't look bad, right? It's got some nicks on it. Actually, actually has a piece of lettuce on from last night. I thought I might as well leave that on. That's just being real. When I bought this chair 30 years ago, I bought it from a wonderful gentleman in Nowers who handmade it. My mom remembers. Solid oak. It's solid oak. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to invest in some furniture. I'm going to. And at that time, like country was cool. Maybe it's still cool to you. Whatever. Don't get offended. I can't stand it. So I was like, I, I like it. But at the time, it was real light colored. And it was that country blue. Yeah, that's right, Pat. Laugh because it was funny. So after a little while, you know, your furniture changes, your taste changes. And someone said, you know, why don't you just redo it? And then painted a different color, and I'm like, yeah, all right. They said, listen, you can cheat. I'm like, all right, I'm all open about that, as long as it's not immoral and ethical. Let's, let, let's talk about it. They said, there's this guy where he'll dip it, and all this paint will just come right off. You can repaint it. I'm like, yeah, I'm down with that. That's cool. So I'll take all my stuff there. What they didn't tell me, when you dip furniture, it weakens all the glue in the joints. I get my stuff back, it's all wiggly, and I'm like, what? So I had to restore it. I had to take it apart and re-glue the, it was more work than just sanding it. That's free advice this morning. Don't dip your furniture, unless they got new stuff. So I did that and I refinished it, and then I made it white. Because you know, the white thing came in. Thanks, Joanna Gaines. And then we move again, we move. Like our furniture changes, everything changes. And, and my wife, Marlene, love her to death. She's like, that would look good black. Inside, I'm like, I'm just buying new furniture. I'm sick of this. I don't want to do this. But I'm too cheap to do that. So I'm like, I'm going to sand it this time. So now here we have the same chair, three different colors, restored three different times. Do you know why I did that? I asked a couple people the last few weeks. I said, people I know who restored things. I said, why? So there was a car, a motorcycle, and a piece of furniture. I said, tell me, tell me why you restore these things. Because it's a lot of time and it's a lot of money to restore something. Why? They all had the same answer. Because it's valuable to me. You know why Jesus wants to restore you? Because you are valuable to him. Some of you sit here this morning... And you're living in what people have told you. You're living here, I am unloved. I am unvaluable. I am used. I am an addict. I am lonely. I am all these things. Can I tell you they are not from God this morning? And you are listening to the wrong voice this morning. Because Jesus says about you, I am loved. I am forgiven. I am chosen. I am set free. I am new. That's what you need to hear this morning. You are living in the past, and Jesus came to restore all things. How much more valuable are you than a, than a chair, a piece of furniture, or a car? Pastor Scott told you how valuable you are. When Jesus talked about the sparrow, if, if Jesus cares about that sparrow, don't you think he cares more about you? He does. He does. There's value. Jesus values you, but he needs to restore you. Some of you need to be restored this morning. Some of you inside are, are just so broken inside. Don't stay there. Don't stay there. And the prayer that I had this morning for you 
This is what I've been praying. That there's someone here or online. You've been through a lot. You are hurting. You are hurting. You are living in lies. You are living in the past. You are living with things that people told you. And it's my hope today that someone who has never entered into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that today will be your day. Whether you're in this room or online, I have been praying for your heart to be softened. I have been praying for you to receive what Jesus has for you this morning. Aren't you tired of fighting? Aren't you tired of resisting? Aren't you tired of doing it your own way? You know, the world tells you, well, well you can do it. You can fix yourself. And, and you read one more book and you go to one more conference and you take one more test, eat one more chocolate sundae. It's not going to help you. Because there's resources and there's the source. Only the source will bring true life and true change and true restoration to you. Here's the really cool thing. If you, if you still can't get by that and you still can't receive this, listen to this verse. It, it, I think of it often. It's just so profound. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3 verses 21 to 25. He says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Here's the verse. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile for all, all, everyone in the sound of my voice whether it's this morning or you watch this three days from now, all is all, it's everybody. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But when you read it, there's a comma. It's not a period. It's not the end. There's hope, because that's not good news. But it's true. It's true. For all have, have fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood that you're going to hear about on Friday. Listen, it's this easy. It's this easy. It's a prayer of faith received through God's grace. There's nothing you can do on your own to make your relationship right with Jesus other than confess. It's, it's this easy. You admit that you're a sinner. You believe who Jesus says he is in the Bible. And you confess with your mouth by faith. It, it really is that easy. It's not how much you give. It's not how often you come to church. It's not, not helping some. All those things are good. But there's only way, one way to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Only one way. There's only one way. And it's the cross. It's not around the cross. It's not over the cross. It's not through the cross. It's on the cross. And Jesus got on it for you. 
to restore all things. There's three verses I'm going to share. There's a bunch I skipped because we're not done worshiping. And I, I truly believe there's somebody this morning that needs to meet Jesus. But there's somebody, somebody's, that's a terrible word, Scott, I'm so sorry, that really need to be restored this morning. It's been a long time since you've felt like you, since you've seen you, how Jesus sees you. You sit here in so much pain and agony. You feel worthless. I got news for you. If you were the only person on the face of earth, Jesus still would have went to that cross. Romans 8 tells me that nothing can separate you from the love that Christ has for you. No heights, nor debts, no demons, no principalities, nothing. Because some of you, I think, are still sitting here. You're still sitting here going, Eric, you don't know what I did last night. I don't care. What I care about is what are you going to do this morning? Are you going to walk out of here the same way you came in, filled with guilt and shame? Because that's what the enemy wants. And I say to him, out of here I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. You can be set free this morning. But it's all up to you. Completely up to you. If you sit here in a right relationship with God, this is what you need to be doing right now. You need to be praying. Saints, you need to be praying. You sit here in a right, praise God you're in a right place with Jesus right now. That is fantastic. But pray for the one who isn't right now, who is struggling, who is, is longing for Jesus. You need to be praying for them right now. Listen to these three verses. Jesus is knocking at your heart right now. That nice knock, because you got obnoxious knocks. My kids, just saying. And then you got the, the consistent. I'm here. I'm right outside your door. I'm here. Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. You knock. You hear that? That's Jesus this morning. It's not my words. It's the Holy Spirit knocking. All you got to do is open the door. Jesus isn't going to say, oh, well, I know what you did. I know. That's not going to be the first words out of Jesus' mouth. I love you. That's what he's going to say. I love you. Like the father of the prodigal. He didn't badger his kid when he came back. He ran towards him. Jesus is running towards you. Stop running from him. He loves you. Luke eleven nine, 9, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open. Revelation three twenty. behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. You just got to invite him in. You got to invite him in. That's it. It's your choice. My question is, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? There's nothing to be ashamed of. I could tell you stories that would embarrass my mom, something fierce. But you know what? I stand here forgiven and a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. That could be you today. So what I'm going to ask today, and we're going to go back into that song because we're not done worshiping. That's why I'm trying to get done in time. Because I want you to worship at the end of this service, not like, Hosanna, Hosanna, the, the earthly king has come. I want you to worship because you know the true king this morning. That's how we're going to end in worship. But first, I'm going to do something different because that's me. I like doing things different. And Jesus told me to do this, so I got to do it. <laughs> Normally, and there's no right way or wrong way. You're not going to find it in the Bible. It's really how the Lord leads you. You got to be obedient. Sometimes you got to take risks. I'm going to ask if there's someone in the room or online, because we got people who will minister to you online. This morning, I am going to ask you to be courageous, maybe like you've never done. I'm going to ask you to be bold and proud because you should be to make a decision. And when I count to three, I don't want you to raise your hand. I want you to stand. And I want you to stand proudly if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I can tell you over 30 years ago, I sat where you sat. And I knew before church I was going to do the salvation. I was going to run to the altar and nobody was going to stop me. Because I knew that I knew that that was my day. I was going to meet Jesus. If you got my way, you were going to get hurt in the name of Jesus. He'd heal you, but you're not stopping me. And I knew there were people who cared and who were praying for me. And if you sit here this morning thinking, oh, if I stand, what are people going to say? I'll tell you what they're going to say in this place. They're going to say, amen, hallelujah, way to go, brother or sister. That's what they're going to say. There ain't no judgment here because nobody's better than anybody else. We're one beggar leading another to bread. That's it. So on the count of three, and I'm going to lead you through the prayer. We're all going to say it online. The count of three, if the Holy Spirit has been speaking to you, and today is your day. Why wait till Easter? Today is your day, a Palm Sunday, 2022. I came into a relationship with Jesus. I was restored. God started the process in my life of restoration. Wouldn't that be amazing? So on the count of three, I want you to proudly and boldly stand to your feet if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. Stand to your feet. Be obedient. You won't regret it, I guarantee it. One. Two. Three. Thank, that's right. Come on, there's somebody else. You, you, you went to stand and you were unsure. Come on, louder. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. 
Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. Because there's a lot more people that are going to follow you. Because there's another call. There's somebody coming around to you. I wish it was a bag with a million dollars. It's not. It's simple information for what's next. Just stay standing. Proud of you. I'm proud of you. God loves you. God has plans for all of you, man. Today's the first day of the rest of your life. Upper deck. Upper deck. Yes. When we're done, when we're done, I want you to go out, find a place in the hub, a table, sit down, fill this out. And it's not so we can, hey, we want to walk with you in your new journey. We're going to call you. Pastor Kerry's going to call you and pray with you. You have any questions? This is how we can, we're going to walk with you. You're not doing this alone. So that's what I want you to do after this. I'm going to make a second call and then we're going to say the prayer together. Because you all ain't off the hook either. The second call. You have walked with Jesus but you asked them to leave your house and you brought some other stuff in and you know it ain't right and you miss Jesus and you miss that relationship and you miss that connection and you need to restore your relationship with Jesus these are new relationships this is a call for restoring your relationship with Jesus and so on the count of three if you need to restore your there's no shame again you stand proudly that you're making it right with, with Jesus. On a count of three, if you want to restore your house this morning, I want you to stand on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, three. Come on, stand, restore. That's right. Be proud. Get up quickly. Get up quickly. God honors that. God honors that. Man, sometimes I so wish I so wish I could see into heaven right now and see Jesus because I guarantee you he is smiling upon this place right now. He is smiling upon you this morning. He sees you, he knows you, and he loves you. Everybody stand up. We're going to repeat this prayer together with our church family. Come on, we're one family. Come on, everybody together. Here we go. Dear Jesus, I admit right now that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are the Son of God, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on a cross, and rose again after three days. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life, live in my house, and make me whole in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, big shout out. Big shout out. Come on, we're going to sing together. Come on. I want you to worship.